The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's Word, and my life will never be the same, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. And so the reason why we make that confession, you know, as we are getting into looking at God's Word, studying the Word, is because we want to just, you know, kind of bring your focus uh, onto, onto what we are getting ready to read. And uh, beyond that, to, to really make a commitment that I'm going to be a doer of the Word. You know, the Apostle James uh, uh, tells us uh, in the book of James that just hearing alone without doing uh, is deceiving ourselves, and we won't get any fruit from it. And so he says, man, if, if you want to uh, have real Bible faith, it must be accompanied by your words and your action. It has to have some company with it. Can I get an amen? amen. And so building up to today, we've been talking about receiving and ministering healing uh, to others. We also uh, talked about uh, how the law of divine health is higher than the law of divine healing. And what I mean by that is God's ultimate perfect will is for you and I to live at the place of divine health. Now, divine health, when you are in divine health, you don't need divine healing. Now, for you to need divine healing, you have to fall sick and then get healed. Now, God has a higher law than that, which is uh, divine health. And so he says in 3 John 1 verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So he says, I wish above everything that you may prosper, be in health. He didn't say be healed. He said be in health because that's God's perfect will for you. That's what you should shoot for. He says be in health even as your soul uh, prospers. That was our foundational scripture. We also discovered uh, through studying the word that our mouths... Our tongue plays a part in releasing this life, uh, this divine health in our bodies. Amen? Amen. And so it says in Proverbs 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the government. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say death and life are in the power of the hospital and the doctors. No, he didn't say that. He said death and life are in the power of the tongue. As extreme death is, as extreme life is from each other, he says uh, they are both resident in this boneless muscle called the tongue. And so he says death and life can be released uh, by the words that you speak. Now, when we say death and life, a lot of people uh, get thrown off by those words because uh, a lot of people think death is when you cease to exist, you know, when your spirit checks out. Uh, but really, death is anything that came into effect uh, as a result of Adam doing what he did in the garden. So here, when he says death and life, and so many other places in Scripture, Romans 8 verse 6, he says uh, to be carnally minded is death. He's not saying when you're carnally minded, you're going to cease to exist. He's saying uh, to, to, to have uh, uh, your carnal mind dominate your thinking is going to produce uh, uh, death. And what is death? Death is you know, poverty, it came into effect when Adam ate of the fruit. What is death? Death is sickness started after Adam ate the fruit. What is death? Uh, limitations and hindrances. All these different things uh, came into effect uh, because of what Adam did, uh, you know, in the garden. And then he says over here in Proverbs 18.21, those limitations, death, you know, poverty, sickness, uh, and disease, limitations, uh, they can be controlled by your tongue. And so how you talk is either releasing death to your life or it's releasing life to your life. What is life? Everything that Jesus paid for at the cross. You can sum it up in that. So with your words, you can either release death 
or you can release life. And I might say that uh, uh, the church, you know, has gotten so uh, conditioned and socialized, if you will, uh, that we, 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 we operate for the most part at the realm of just speaking death. And we don't even know it. And sometimes uh, we do it ignorantly. Uh, but unfortunately, the, the laws we're going to be reading today uh, do not uh, uh, consider our ignorance. You know, juris neminem excusata. That means, that means, <laughs> that means uh, something about the law. Uh, does not excuse ignorantia. I forgot ignorantia. Ignorantia. Uh, you didn't know the pastor could speak closer. <laughs> and so, 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 you know, the law does not consider your ignorance. The law just takes what you say and, and bring it to pass. And so, uh, here we see death and life is in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit uh, thereof. When he says, they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof, New Living Translation, he says, those that love to talk will reap the consequences, both good and bad. And so let's go to First Peter chapter number 3, verse 10. First Peter chapter number 3, verse 10. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. First Peter 3, 10 says, for ye... Who would love life and see good old days? In other words, he who wants to enjoy life, he who wants to live a life that they will love and see good days or do it for a long time. Anybody want to live good but do it for a long time? You know, when I was struggling, I, I used to pray for the rapture. Now that I'm not struggling, <laughs> I say, hold on, Lord. Five more years, Lord. This is so much fun. Man, if your eyes are just focused on heaven and trying to check out, man, you need to start tapping into the promises of God. Amen? I said amen. Now, he says there's he uh, who would love life and see long days, good days. Watch the advice he gives him. This is a New, new Testament. Apostle Peter. He said, let him refrain his tongue from evil. So there is a connection between your tongue, what you speak, and the life that you live. And the length of days that you are going to enjoy on the earth. Did you see that? And then he says this. He says, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. And so a lot of, you know, the world uh, trying to achieve good life and uh, long days and a long time. The world, what the world has done is they have emphasized diets. You know, they say, man, you've got to get on a diet. And uh, if you get on a good diet, man, you'll be able to live long life. If, if you uh, quit sugar, you'll be able... And, and, and really, I don't have a problem with diets and, 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 and all of that. But, you know, they, they switch on you all the time. Think about it. Way back in the 90s, it was vegetarian. Everybody was going vegetarian, vegetarian. And then they switched on us a few years ago and moved all the way from the extreme of vegetarian to banting. You know what banting is? Banting means you eat... Poke, you eat uh, uh, bacon every single day as you wish, unrestricted. And then as we were get, kind of getting used to banting, they switched on us and said, ah, it's keto now, keto. <laughs> and then as you are getting comfortable with keto, they say, ah, it's vegan. You must be vegan. And then the scripture is still saying the same thing. And so the world is emphasized on what we should put in our mouth, yet the Bible emphasizes what's coming out of your mouth. Amen? He says you must refrain your tongue. He says you must not speak deceit. And he says if you do that, you will see you'll have a good life, a long life, and a very good life. Why? Because confession precedes possession. Let's go to Romans chapter number 10. Whatever you speak will come to pass. Amen? I said amen. Whether good or bad, the law says... Whatever you say is going to come to pass. Romans chapter number 10 from verse 6. It's interesting that when you get around Christians and you uh, confess negativity, you confess limitation, particularly limitation, uh, uh, most Christians will say amen to that. 
Most Christians I know, if you go to a bri and you start talking about, you know, uh, well, you know, the petrol is gone up, fuel is up, and uh, I'm just not sure how I'm going to make it. Uh, we're all in trouble. We are all in trouble. You start confessing that, uh, most Christians will say, amen, hallelujah. But you start confessing God's word, most Christians will say, oh, brother, I don't know about that. You start saying, man, I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going up. I'm the head and not the tail. All of my needs are met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You start talking that way. Church folk will say, oh, brother, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. No. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You don't have to say that. You start saying over there in Deuteronomy 8, 18, oh man, we're going to step into the land of plenty. God is going to build us goodly houses and we're going to do well. Our silver will multiply. I'm quoting scripture. Our silver will multiply. Our heads will multiply and we will remember the Lord for it is he who gives us the power and the creativity to create wealth. I'm a money-making machine. You say that to Christians? Christians will say, oh brother, I'm not sure you should be saying that. But if you say, man, I don't know how I'm going to make it this month, amen. God has supplied all my needs. I'm not sure about that. And we've been conditioned to be just social commentators, yet God has created us to be divine orchestrators. God hasn't called us to just speak it how it is. He has called us to speak it how it's really supposed to be according to his word. And so he says in Romans 10, from verse 6 to 10, but the righteousness, which is of faith, speaketh on this wise. He says, don't do this. Say not in thy heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. This is what people say, right? Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? In other words, this is what I say. The word is nigh thee. The word is near you. Even in your mouth. And in your hearts, that is the word of faith which we preach. Verse 9, that if you confess, someone say confess. confess. That if you confess, if you say what scripture says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now watch this, verse 10. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So how you came into the kingdom was through talking. And this is why Christianity is called the great confession. Before it was called Christianity, it was called the great confession. Because the way you enter into being a child of God was through believing in your heart and not being quiet about it. You said something, and whatever you said transitioned you from a place of death into a place of light in his dear son. And so scripture then says in Colossians 2, 6, it says, just like you received him, so walk ye in him. He says the same way you received Jesus through believing and talking is the same way you function in the kingdom. You believe his promises and you spell them out. Man, they say sticks and stones may break my bones. Words will never harm me. Words have been literally directing your life into a, a, a direct, your most dominant language. Make sure it's not a victim language. Make sure it's a victorious language. It's not what they do to you. It's not what they say about you. It's what you say about yourself. Ultimately, that's what counts. That's what matters. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's go to James chapter number three. This is going to be real quick. This is Pastor James, you know, teaching a series on the power of words. And it takes us on a journey. Uh, we're using three examples to reveal this truth. And, uh, you know, I say Pastor James because James is the only apostle who wrote a letter to the church that he actually pastored. So there's a connection there. And this is what it says in verse two, James chapter number three. It says, for in many things we offend all. So in other words, uh, James says, man, we're going to make mistakes. And then he goes on to say this. He says, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. Don't let that you know, uh, uh, phrase throw you off, perfect man. Uh, uh, it's the Greek word for mature man. And so James is saying, if anyone has learned not to use words carelessly, the same is a mature man. Did you see that? He says, if, if, if any man offend not in word, that same man 
He's a perfect man. He's a mature man. This is how you find mature people. And he says in, in, at the end of that verse, he says, and that same man is able also to bridle his whole body. Think about it. James is saying with your words, with your, with your tongue, you can bridle, control what goes on in your body. You can control the, you can regulate your hormones. You can regulate the chemical balances in your brain. You can regulate things with your words. He says you can control, you can bridle your whole body. Man, don't use words to curse your body. What are you doing? Why are you cursing yourself? Oh, my eyes. My, I think I'm losing, I'm losing the, the strength in my eyes. I can't, I can't see further anymore. I can't see further anymore. Ever since I turned uh, 25, now I'm going downhill. I can't see further anymore. I'm double, double vision. I'm double vision. I'm short-sighted. Some, I'm long-sighted. I can't see. You're speaking, right? He says with your words, you can control what goes on in your body. You can regulate the chemicals. You can regulate your hormones through the words of your mouth. You can speak to your womb and call it how you want it. Don't curse that thing. Amen. Amen. I said Amen. Man, you can control what goes on in your body. And so he says this. He says, for if in many things we offend all, if any man offend not in word, the same is a mature man. You know, I'm always looking for maturity in people. I'm always looking for maturity because I know that Jesus is coming back soon and we have work to do. And uh, I was thinking about it really doing a, a, a grace in the marketplace. And I was, I was flying from somewhere on Tuesday. And I was, you know, just having a conversation with the Lord and just talking with him. And, and the Lord said to me, he said, Tafara, do you realize there's only one crisis that Jesus admitted in Scripture, that it actually really is a crisis? And I said, what's that, Lord? And the Lord began to, to show me through Scripture. It wasn't a poverty crisis. It wasn't a supply crisis. It wasn't a healing crisis. It wasn't a miracle crisis. Do you know what it was? It was a leadership crisis. Jesus admitted that there was a leadership problem in the world. He said the harvest is plentiful. There's only one problem. The laborers are few. Go and pray that the Lord of, uh, of the harvest may send his laborers. And so because of that, you know, I've been doing what I'm doing now, preaching and standing before people and ministering. I've been doing this for over 20 years now. I, I've, been, I've been around the block a few times. I know I don't look it, but I've been around <laughs> the block a few times. And I've learned this. I've learned this. I've learned that you find leaders in two places. You find leaders in the volunteer section. Of anything. Because Jesus said the greatest among you is the one who, who serves. And you also find leaders in the ones who learn how to control their words. Bridle. Control their tongue. Those who know how to use words, not carelessly, but use words to build up. Not use words to criticize. There's some people, man, they'll just criticize everything. It doesn't matter what it is. They'll just criticize everything. There's some people, they can't compliment. If you buy a really, really nice car, they'll say, but it chows fuel. They'll just find something. <laughs> they'll just find something. They're just going to find something. And, 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 and there's no maturity in that. And I've learned over the years that if you really want to know people, just take them out to eat and listen. Just sit there and just, there was a guy who, who joined the church and uh, he was an interesting cat. You know, the way he joined the church was interesting. Uh, 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 you know, it was in the first year of the church, it was much smaller. And uh, so, you know, uh, uh, there was a guy who came, the first guy who came, short guy, came into the church and he was just looking kind of weird, looking around, scoping the horizon and stuff. And then at the end of the church, I went to talk to him. I said, hey, man, what's your name? He said, my name is Darren. Where you come from? I came from the United States Embassy. That's where we're working. We're here on a mission. I said, oh, okay, cool. And then the following week, he came again with a different girl this time. The first time, he came with a different girl. Sec following week, he came with a another girl. This is my girlfriend, Pastor. Said, okay, all right. And the third week, he came with another guy with, with glasses. And then they were sitting there in the ser service. The guy was bold. And they were just sitting there. It was kind of weird, you know. And then I went to speak to them. He says, oh, no, this is my boss. Such and such introduced me. I said, oh, nice to meet you, gents. On the fourth week, they then came with another guy, Michael, with his family. Some of you remember Michael. He came with his family. And then Michael then joined the church. And then the other guys disappeared. And this is why I'm talking to Michael. I said, Michael, what do you do? He said, I work for the American, United States of America uh, uh, people. 
I work for the people. Of, I'm like, man, what do you do? What does that even mean? He says, you know. <laughs> and so I said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm a different. My leadership style, pastoring is way different from, you know, I'm not one of those pastors that get locked up in a monastery somewhere, you know, doing chants and, you know, just staying away from the view. I like to connect with people. And so, you know, we would have lunches. He joined our life group, so we would have lunches and talk. And the more I spoke to this guy, the more he started to reveal that if he was not FBI, he was CIA. Yeah. And so we're talking to this guy, and, and we're just sitting the one time at my house. Pastor Dan's is brying the meat, and we're talking, and we're talking about James Bond, some movie, and how the other, you know, James Bond should have killed the other guy because then it's the villain that came to try and fight him. And we're just general, right? And then he says, you see, the mistake is when you're six meters, you don't use a, a shotgun, you use a Glock. And then he says, but you know you can get an uh, 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 automatic whatever, attach it, and the Glock can actually, do you know the Glock can actually become uh, an automatic, you know, Glock? Pastor Dan and I, we just like, you know, we were just talking about the movie. <laughs> and, they, you know, he starts telling us the, the distance and the ballistics. You know, he says if it's 20 meters, you better use a, a, a rifle, you know, because then... Uh, the, the, use it with bullets that explode and just, you know, have these balls that come out. I don't know what he called them. He says, man, that's what you use. And the more we started talking to these guys, the more I got suspicious. I'm like, man, you know. <laughs> and then the climax was he calls me, right? He calls me. After one year of coming to church, you'd never miss a Sunday on cue. You come to church. In fact, the one time we did a family fun day. We did a family fun day. So he came to me. He said, Pastor, can I just teach? I know there's a problem in this country of women and uh, abuse and stuff. Can I just teach the, the women in the church uh, uh, self-defense? You know, we were, at, we were at the farm there. I said, Brother, go ahead. Go for it, man. Man, in 10 minutes, he's, wah, wah, wah. The women in the church, man, they're kicking my wife. She's like, pow, pow, I'm in there. I'm sitting there, man. I'm thinking, man, what's, what's wrong with this guy? And then the climax is he calls me, right? He calls me the one time, and he says, Pastor, I just want to call and say, you know, you're a true man of God. I really enjoyed the time at the church, but I have to move to my next assignment. They are posting me into a different country. I said, where are you going, brother? He said, I'm going to Afghanistan. I said, in that case, we need to start praying right now. He says, oh, no, Pastor, you, you ain't got to pray. I got this. <laughs> I'm like, you're going to Afghanistan and you don't need prayer. <laughs> Who is this guy? <laughs> and so I say that to say this, that if you really want to know people, just listen to them talk. You know, uh, 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 faith people talk possibility. Amen. Amen. Faith people don't talk limitation. They talk possibility. Amen. They say, man, it can be done. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. Now watch what he says in verse 3. He says, behold, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Now that's powerful. A horse is like a what? Uh, uh, 1.2 ton, you know, uh, uh, animal. I mean, it weighs a lot, and it's, all, it's more, all mostly, you know, uh, a muscle. Right? And I mean, that thing, if you don't know how to ride it properly, if it, if it just takes off and starts running away, if it gets wild, man, it'll be hard for you to control it. You know, you could actually get killed if it kicks you. But here, the Apostle Paul says in, uh, in verse 3, the Apostle James, he says uh, how we control these horses, all that horsepower. That's where the word, uh, the, the phrase horsepower came from. It's the power of the horse. He says all of that power can be put under control through putting a bit in the horse's mouth. He says when you put a bit in the horse's mouth, then the horse has no choice but to obey you. With the bit in the mouth, you can pull the reins while the horse is walking. You can pull the reins, and if the, 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 the tongue turns to the right, then the whole body has to follow. It's gonna, you can turn the whole horse uh, to, to different places. And so what he's saying is we can with our words, control the, the, the wild situations or situations that have gone out of control in our lives. We can rein them in. We can bring them back. 
back to control through the words that we speak. You can literally begin to turn the situation around through the bits in your mouth. Of course, this one is in the horse's mouth, but you put a bit in your mouth and turn that sucker in the direction of the promises of God. You start to turn your entire life. That's been running crazy and going wild in the direction of the promises of God. And that thing can't disobey you. But you have to learn how to put the word of God in your mouth. When you do, that's what you're going to see. In fact, if God has put any kind of dream on your life that's big to change the world, you're going to need to put your words in check. Because you can't just use any kind of words if, 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 if you're going to accomplish uh, the, the, the dream that God has for you. Can I get an amen? He says in verse 6, and the tongue is a fire. Did I read verse 4? No, I didn't. Okay, let me read verse 4. Behold also the ships. You know, a ship is, is so huge. Ruarashe, uh, uh, one, of, one of our own, she works on ships. And she told me about ships. She said a ship is sometimes as big as a, as a small town. You know, that's how huge this thing is. It's like a city out there. They've got banks on it. They've got uh, pools, hotels. I mean, you name it, tennis courts. They've got all kinds of stuff on the ship. And he says this. This is what the Apostle James is saying. He says, Behold, also ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds. In other words, there's a wind contrary to it. Yet they are turned around with a very small helm or rudder, Whithersoever the governor listed. So he's saying with, with, with the steering of the ship, man, you can literally turn, it's a small steering, you can turn the entire thing that is like a city. And then he goes on to say in, in verse 5, even so, so he said that to say this, even so the tongue is a little member like just, just like that small steering. He says, and boasted great things, behold how great a matter a little fire kindles. And so essentially what he's saying is, with the words of your mouth, you can literally change the entire mood of a city. Man, you get on radio, you have all these careless people that don't know how to report news, right? They're just releasing words of fear. Now you have an entire country running around in panic and in fear because someone didn't know how to use their mouth. And maybe on the internet, it still starts as the mouth. Can I get an amen? And so with our words, we should be using our words to speak life. And when we speak life, peace, and blessing, we also can bring the light of God's word and change an entire atmosphere around cities. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. He says, how great a matter a little fire kindles. So here, listen to this. He says, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue amongst our members that defiles the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is uh, set on fire of hell. So you say, man, sometimes you can have raging issues in your life. That's the fire. The fire is raging. I mean, it's, it's a mess over there. He says if you look right through it, you can trace it back all the way to a match, uh, 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 matchstick, to a matchstick, right? To a matchstick uh, a spark that started the whole deal. This is uh, how small, how small, uh, how great a matter, a little fire kindles. So it started as a little fire. Just one word, You'd careless, used carelessly, and it set the whole course of nature into destruction. This is how important words are. It's not just another series that we are doing at church to fill up the Sunday in a calendar. This is a life-altering moment for some of you. Man, you start learning how to use words to your advantage. You can change your entire life. Man, you ought to start calling finances in. Instead of calling yourself broke. Oh, just a few amens over there. I, I, I realized this many, many years ago, what God was calling me to do uh, in the world, that we were going to need some, some big finances, and I needed to change. I mean, every single project, I told you last week, it's like every single project that I get involved with is expensive. And you can't get in there with a victim confession. You can't get in there with a poverty confession. You better get in there with a wealth confession. We go out there to Los Angeles. We're going to resume this year. We'll be going out there every year to do Grace in the Marketplace. And we get all the different people to come and attend this conference. And, and the one we did last year, 
2019, the one we did then, uh, we had Hollywood uh, guys come and speak, Christians, and it's all on my budget. Yeah. Where do you think I get that kind of money? Through talking right. You better call that, those finances in. We had Derek Lukin, the award-winning actor. He said, man, I'm going to come, but how many of you know that he ain't coming for free? It's Hollywood, for crying out loud. And he came with his wife. That's double-double. You better learn how to sing that double-double song. And sing it from the heart. Amen. Who else came? Uh, uh, Wayne Chani. Wayne Chani from Preachers of LA. He's already on television. So I can't even call him and tell him, hey, sh listen, come to my conference. I'm giving you exposure. <laughs> Amen. Amen. When he came, he pulls up in an Aston Martin. Yes. <laughs> Just signed on a deal in downtown Los Angeles for the church building. He's coming to speak at my conference. All of that is on me. And when you stay in Los Angeles, you're in a cheap city, 395 US dollars a night to stay in a hotel, a cheap hotel. Small hotel, you can't even turn around and, and... You better know how to talk right and call those finances in. Amen. amen. I said amen. You better learn how to speak life into these different situations. And change the, situ the scenario. Let's go to Matthew chapter number 8. <clears throat> Matthew chapter number 8. From verse 5 to uh, 13. Man, get, a, get yourself around people who, who have a vict victory in their, in their language. People who speak life. People who speak possibility. And get around people who speak limitations. You know, and just go with the flow. And just, you know, cry out and just, you know, swing low, swing cherry, or come, come and take me home. How many of you know that is not a verse? Amen. You won't find that verse. It says in verse 5, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him. A centurion was a, is a soldier who, who is in the Roman army, right? And so a this is not a believer. He's not a part of Israel. It's an outsider from the covenant uh, of God. He came pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to the other one, come, and he comes. To my servant, do this, and he does it. And so, this guy knew the power of angels. We talked about it last week, that they are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who inherit salvation. You and I have angels out there ministering spirits that are waiting for us to send them to do stuff. And so, this centurion guy understood this, that we have God above us, and this is us, and below us, we have angels that we... Uh, uh, can send through the words of our mouths. And watch what he says in verse 10. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, even not even in Israel. Man, that's, that, that's a powerful statement. Jesus is saying, I have not found such great faith, even in the church. That's what Israel represents. Jesus is talking to an unbeliever who at least understands the power of words, who at least understands the power of uh, pursuing a life of possibility. And they are talking big. Master, you don't even have to come to my house. Speak a word only. Jesus turns around. He says, this kind of faith, I haven't even seen it amongst the believers. This is not an encouragement. It's a rebuke. He says, I haven't seen it, even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east, the west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the utter darkness. Why? Because they haven't learned this principle. All they do is get together and get emotionalism and get into religious calisthenics and do all the different crazy things without learning something. 
Went to church for 22 years of my life. Nobody ever set me down to teach me these principles. All they did was just, you know, told, they told me that something was going to come someday. And that we were going to feel it. It's coming. A revival is coming. Never came. 22 years <laughs> of my life. Never learned squat. All they did was fire me up emotionally. Never learned a thing. Went to church diligently 52 weeks in a year. Never learned a thing. All they did is, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. <laughs> Just go through it. Hallelujah. Just learn how to go through it. Somebody say, yeah, yeah. We go. You go outside, you, you, you're still going through it. never gave me the tools. All I want is the tools. How can I get out of this? Tell me something to do, pastor. And this is what I'm telling you. Start speaking the word of God. Instead of speaking what it looks like, instead of speaking your opinion, God doesn't watch over your opinion. He watches over his word to perform it. You, you start speaking his word, man, you're going you're gonna to snap out of whatever it is that you're in right now. Can I get an amen? amen. Now let's wrap up with this. And so Jesus said to the centurion, go your way as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Boom. Jesus said, as you have believed. He believed that the master didn't have to come to his house, and that healing was delivered the way that he believed. Luke chapter number one. We're going to rest uh, this case over here. Luke chapter number one, verse 13. Is this helping you? Yes. Someone shout, I'm a money magnet. See, just a few of you, because the rest of you, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to make it. Man, I'm a money magnet. And that's how you stir up this, there's this spirit called mammon, it's a spirit of limitation. It's, it's a selfish spirit. I hate it so much. You know what, the mammon, mammon... The, the bad part about mammon is not just want it wanting you to worship it. The bad part about it is it, it robs you of a thinking that wants to bless others. Mammon thinks this way. You know how mammon thinks? Mammon thinks, you know, Lord, all I need is just my Vodacom bill paid, just my uh, a mortgage paid. My. Did you see how mammon, mammon talks? Mammon is always my. It always starts with my. I just want to get a new hairdo, my new hairdo. I just want to get my nails done. I just want to get my car payment. I just want to get my mortgage. It never thinks about other people. How about God send me 10 million rand so I can bless five people with brand new cars. Mammon doesn't think that way. Mammon gets scared of being a blessing to others. Because Mammon thinks stuff is running out. Mammon thinks if you buy five that, are, that look like yours, that somehow it takes the shine from you. Mammon doesn't realize the more the merrier. Mammon thinks, you know, I should be the only one who's the king of the totem pole. And everyone else on my family tree should struggle so that I stand out. That's mammon. Okay, let me, let me, let me. Do you know what prosperity kingdom says? It says, let's all go to the promised land. Let's all uh, receive of Jesus' inheritance. Let's all do well. Why? Because nothing is running out. A kingdom mentality realizes that it doesn't matter how much you get, there's still enough for everybody. Amen. If you go to the park run and you, when you finish the race, you're going to be breathing fast. It doesn't matter how fast you breathe, I'm still going to get mine. Why? Because God created this thing to always be in surplus, always be in abundance. But mom on over there says, if someone starts breathing fast, it's running out. No, it's not going to run out. There's enough for everybody. So how about being a blessing? Yes. All right. Let, let, let. So we have Zechariah here, or Zacharias, depending on where you're from, right? Zacharias, I like Zacharias, but it sounds more biblical. And, and Elizabeth, right? Zacharias and Baba Zacharias. It sounds, it sounds strong. You can't say Zechariah. Zacharias, Baba. And so... And so Zacharias, right, and Elizabeth, they are uh, well-stricken in age. They are old. And uh, 
you know, they haven't had a child because uh, they're old now and, you know, Elizabeth is barren. But then the Lord came through for them. And then sent an angel, his name was Gabriel. And so this is where we, we're reading, verse uh, 13. It says, But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call him John. He's talking about John the Baptist, right? The one who would come to introduce the Messiah. Look, there is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. That's what John came to do. And uh, he's the same guy who said, He must increase, and I must decrease. Awesome guy prophetic guy. He says in verse 14, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Isn't this good news? And then he says, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. I mean, not just great in the sight of people. I mean, this guy is great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from the, his mother's womb. Everybody else has to be filled with the Holy Ghost after they, they, they're born and they, they're of age. Not this guy. He says, this guy, man, from the mother's womb, he got filled talking into, bro got burned, uh, 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 when, when he came out of his mouth, bro got born talking in tongues already. He had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. His, his baby talk was tongues. He's a different kind of kid. Different kind of kid. And listen, verse 17, and he shall go before him in the spirit and, and, and power of Elias uh, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And uh, Zacharias said unto the angel, now this is his turn to speak. Now, confession says you just repeat what the angel said. Zacharias should have said, I shall have a child. And he shall bring joy and gladness to the people. That's what confession is. Confession simply means saying the same thing. So when Zacharias came on the scene, this is what's awesome about confession is you don't have to be clever. You don't have to invent your own words. Just take what's already been said and also say it. Simple task. And then Zacharias, when he came on the scene, he, he, he didn't do that. What verse am I on? 18. He said to the angel, how am I going to know this? For I am old. And my wife is well stricken in years. In other words, <laughs> I think God is way too old now, the ancient of days. He may have forgotten a very important part of this entire story. That will not make what you just said happen. I think God Almighty is getting old now. He may have forgotten that I'm an old man. And also that Elizabeth is old. So I'm taking this opportunity to remind you. Just like the Lord will come to you and say, you are a house owner. <laughs> How shall I know this? For where I come from, no one has ever owned a house. Where my wife comes from, nobody has ever done these things. And God comes to you and says, you are a world changer. Uh, how shall I know this? Because my account, my F&B account right now, God Almighty, the Ancient of Days, may have forgotten a very important, very important, God will come to you. Some of you young people, God is speaking to you about going to Ivy League College. God is going to speak to some of these youth. And, you know, really, I like young people because they have a better confession than old people. Some of these young people will come and say, man, I believe I'm going to Harvard. It's the parents. Amen. That's what, yeah, that's what my daughter said, you know, the younger one. She said, Dad, who's the boss? Because they watch cartoons and sometimes in cartoons. They said, Dad, who's the boss in this house? I said, I am. She said, who made you the boss? I said, I did. She said, is that all? I said, yes. She said, then tomorrow I'm going to be the boss. <laughs> if it's that simple, I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm going to make myself. <laughs> she thought I was going to say, God Almighty. She's like, you made you. Ah, then, you know. <laughs> But here's the deal, is that he's reminding God of the situation, right? He says, man, I'm old. I don't know what your excuse is for not living life to the fullest. 
But let me tell you, that excuse is irrelevant and immaterial. Amen. Don't consider it. What you should consider is the promise. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? Now, verse 19, this is going to intrigue you. It, get, it gets better. Verse 19, and the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and I am sent to speak unto you and to show you these glad tidings. And behold, someone say behold. behold. And now it's about to get real. Every time you say behold, it's about to get real. <laughs> and behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day these things shall be performed. Because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. Now, there is a section in the church that don't believe that our words have any power. Now, if that was true, why did the angel go to the extreme, the great extreme of making the man dumb? It's as if the angel came with a remote. You know that remote that you have at your house? When this guy started talking out of work, when he started talking outside of God's uh, word, he, he, the angel pressed, uh, pressed mute. He says, at least for the next nine months, you won't be able to say something. The reason why that was important was because if he had allowed him to talk, this careless talk, this had the potential to sabotage one of the greatest Man to ever been born of a woman who came to introduce the Messiah. Zachariah's words had the potential to sabotage that whole deal. Man, I wish some of you, just like this angel, your spouses were given this remote. Because actually, <laughs> your spouse is the one that knows. At church, you can lie to us. How are you doing? I'm blessed. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But at least your spouse really knows what you confess. Yeah. I wish the Lord had given everyone when you get married. I wish Gabriel showed up with a spouse, wrapped, with a remote control, wrapped in a box, and then give it to your, to your wife or to your husband. And when you start talking, stuff that's not in, mute until we buy that house. <laughs> and then you take, the, you take that remote at the day of the signing of the house. And then as you finish signing, yeah, now you can talk again. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And, 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 and the reason, you know, it may be hilarious, but this is not a punishment. This is a strategy to win in life. This is not a punishment. This is a strategy. Let me read you one more verse. Let's go to Proverbs 30, verse 32. Man, if you don't have anything great to say about God's dream for your life, shut up. God is saying you are a world changer. If you are not yet ready to repeat the same words, shut up. Until the day you are ready to say the same thing. Watch what he says in, uh, uh, over here. He says, uh, let's read it in the New King James, please. Uh, New King James. It says, if you have been foolish in exalting yourself, or if you have devised evil, put your hand on your mouth. If you read it in the original King James, let's go to the original King James. Uh, watch what it says. He says, if thou hast done foolishly in lifting up thyself, or if thou hast uh, thought evil, lay thine hand upon thy mouth. In other words, you can't stop random thoughts from coming into your mind or into your heart. You know, uh, uh, I think it was Kenneth Hagin, he said this. He said, you can't stop the birds from, you know, uh, 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 landing, you, you flying over your head. He said, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can, you know, stop that sucker from coming onto your head and uh, making a, a nest and start, you know, you can, at least that you can do. So essentially what he's saying here is, is, is you know, when a random thought comes, it's going to come. But if you don't want that thought to stay, because one of the words for meditation is to matter. If you don't want that thought, that thought to, to come to you know, full maturity and become life, he says, put your hand on your mouth. Don't spell it out. And some of you need to learn this. This is not a punishment. This is a Bible strategy. When I think something that's contrary to God's word, I put my word on my mouth. I'm just not going to say it until I'm ready to speak faith. 
You know why you have to stop you from saying it? Because ultimately, the only sermon that you really will believe from A to Z, the only sermon that you will really take to heart, we talked about taking things to heart, is the sermon that you preach. Forget what Pastor T is preaching. The real prophet in your life is you. Amen? The sermon that you really believe is, is the one that's preached by the man or the woman that when you get back home, you know, you go into the uh, bathroom, you close the door, and you go peep, go peep in the mirror. Wherever you find there, that's your man of God. Forget what T.D. Jake said. Get ready, get ready. Until you started getting ready. Amen. That sermon, man, the one that you preach. And, uh, well, fortunately or unfortunately, the good news is you can change that sermon. Amen. Amen. Some of you have been preaching this sermon. You, you turned it into a ten-part series. Dying, uh, dying in thine in thine poverty, it must have a King James something, dying in thine struggle. And a sub-series because of thine background. And you preach that so eloquently. You've mastered how to preach ten-part series to yourself. What kind of sermon do you preach to yourself? Because that's going to be very important. The angel went and put a mute on Zacharias because his words, think about it. This is one of the, it's probably the third, it's in the top five at least, top five event in the world is the birth of John the Baptist. This could have been sabotaged by someone's words. What makes you think you can just say whatever you wish? And get away with it. Man, I'm telling you, when we get to heaven, the Bible says God will wipe tears off our eyes. I believe when we get to heaven, we're going to see the fullness of what he created us to do. When we get to heaven, most of you are going to see where you could have lived and uh, 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 how much money you could have had, uh, who you could have married. No, that's, that's true. Because it starts with words. You, you know, you can go around and ask every man in here who, who's married and say, how did you, how did you get married? And say, man, all it took was words. Ah, it started with that. You can't just say, I love her in my heart. You at least must say, hi. My name is Tafa. You must say something. And even when the priest brought you onto the altar. Do you know how you got married? The priest said in front of God and all these witnesses all we want you to do is to say something. And you said I take this woman not many other ones, this one to be my wedded wife, to love to hold in what? In health, in sickness in wealth, in poverty Till death do us part. And what did the priest say? The priest turned around and he says, Today I pronounce unto you, Mr. and Mrs. such and such. How did you get to that? You, all of that happened because of words. And the same way you did it because you started it in words, man, you're going to sustain it in words. Can I get an amen? Well, why don't you stand on your feet? Someone shout, I will use... My words to my advantage. With my words, I will create a life that I desire. A life of blessing. A life that is consistent with God's word. Amen. Man, over your finances, I'm reading these from uh, a book that my wife wrote called uh, Design Your Life with Your Words. How many of you know that you can design your life with your words? Words are like different ingredients that God has given. And you get to pick and choose the words that you want to speak for a life that you want to live. 
Amen. Amen. And so these are some of the things that we say over our finances. And you can say these after me. In Christ, Christ, I'm already blessed. blessed. Provision Provision has already been made made for me. me. Because my God liberally liberally supplies, supplies, fills to the full full. my every need need. according to his riches riches. in In glory by Christ Jesus. I am a cheerful and generous giver. I live to give. Therefore, God multiplies my seed that I have sown and God makes every favor and earthly blessing to come to me in abundance. I am amply supplied, furnished, with abundance to give to every good work. As I have given, it is being given back to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over is being poured into my lap. As I bring my tithes and my offerings into my local church, As I partner with the preaching of the gospel, the windows of heaven will open for me. And God will pour out a blessing so big that I will not have enough room to receive it. I live in the favor of God. Amen. Man, you always need the favor of God. Always. There's not, a, 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 there's not a time in your life where you will ever retire from ever needing the favor of God. Always going to need the favor of God. You know, my wife and I have our little side hustle. We, 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 it's a main hustle, you know, on the side, but uh, we love it. It's a little re- real estate portfolio that we're running with different things in there. And uh, I thought that the day we pay off the, the uh, properties is the day we, we don't need any more favor. But the day you pay it off, you even need more favor because you need a godly tenant. You may even need more favor now that you, it own, you own it than you needed before. Amen. I said amen. So you speak favor over yourself. Otherwise, you're going to get a tenant from hell. Write on your walls. Uh, break the, the stove. Break the oven. Doesn't pay rent on time. Man, terrorize that whole thing. And you can't do nothing about it. But right now, with your confession, you can do something about it. I said, amen. Amen. Ministering angels, angels. I lose you now. now. Go, Go. bring in my harvest. harvest. Right now, now. I call in my hundredfold. hundredfold. Harvest, Harvest. right now. now. Bring in all the necessary finances, all the necessary necessary relationships relationships. in in Jesus' name. Jesus became poor poor. so that I could become rich. rich. Therefore, Therefore, it is God's will will for me me to be prosperous. prosperous. God delights in my prosperity. prosperity. Therefore, Therefore, I refuse lack. I refuse poverty poverty in my life. life. He gives me the power, the the ability, the the creativity to create wealth so that he may establish his covenant on the earth. I command money, finances, payment for bills, increase, provision, food, clothes to come to me now in Jesus' name. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Amen. I said amen. amen. You know, we're working on this church album. It's got about seven, eight bangers. I mean, these are some awesome songs. Mm. We were driving there, and uh, on Thursday, we were driving back, and uh, we finished what we needed to do. And so it's invoice time. They send the invoice to my, to my email. I'm looking at this invoice, 
uh, almost skipped a bit, but then I remembered I can talk to money. Jesus spoke to trees. What is money made of? Trees. I, I remember. I said, hey, invoice. You are paid off in Jesus' name. And the Lord sent the money and we paid it off. Now say it like you mean it. I command money. I command finances. Payments for bills. Increase. Provision. Food. Clothes. To come to me now. In Jesus' name. I command real estate to come to me now. In Jesus' name. Scholarships for my children and grandchildren. Prestigious schools and prestigious colleges. I call you now in Jesus' name. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the country. Blessed coming in. Blessed going out. My bank accounts are blessed. My investment accounts are blessed. I'm a blessing to my family. I'm a blessing to my church. I'm a blessing to my community. I'm a blessing to my country. I'm a blessing to this world. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. I'm blessed, therefore I'm rich. Zero sorrow. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.